Welcome, ghosts and ghouls, to the scariest day of the year. It's election day. Well, I love it because because we're <laughs> we're recording on election day, but it's gonna come out in a couple days. I mean, I could put it up today. I oh got yeah, time. all right, all right, all right. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll do that. Maybe maybe this will come at you. Uh, come at you, moment. you know, before the the results come in. Yeah. Speaking of which, Sam, I gotta Go say, it. you know, I'm I've been reading the polls, I've been looking at the news, and I'm starting to get the feeling that. Bernie isn't going to win, and it just makes me so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired. All I think about is how tired I am. And uh, well, and hey, I got I great news, Travis, because the uh, Twitter actually just uh, last night uh, they tweeted out a message from their official Twitter account. Just so you knew, it said "breathe." So you know they're looking out for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that had an effect. You know, I go to the Twitter, the the Explore page, mm-hmm. and I hit Election 2020, and I go to the the latest tab, and I just see how what a what a great effect that tweet had on everyone's mental mm-hmm. health. You know, everyone's taking it easy, everyone's slowing down. They're kind of reflecting on where we are as a society, and and really putting you know the best out mm-hmm. there for mm-hmm. everybody to hear. Yeah. You know? God, it's it's I I uh, I don't know what tomorrow will bring, um, but all I can say is is I've been feeling it for the last two days. I've been feeling it today. Of just for months, for months we've been saying what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen. We're here. It's now. Yeah. Time to find out. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. Whatever comes next, well, we'll see. you know. Either way, it ain't gonna affect me that much because I'm all the way over here. And it so, might. It, you know, hey, it's, it's going to uh, determine what what country I'm moving to. Am I, am I staying local yeah. or am I? Am I? Hey, you know what? It is time to go up to Canada. Well, if they let you if in, if they let me you know, in, yeah, I mean, Christ, because we uh, we ain't letting those boys down south. You know, it's funny when you mentioned, um, we're not going to say anything specific, but Travis told me he was interested in, he was developing something earlier before we started recording. Uh And, and as you were saying it, I actually thought like develop, like a cold was developing. Like, uh Oh, he's getting, he's getting sick. No, 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 no. But of course not. No, you, you, the borders are closed. The disease can't get to you. I I was kind of sick last weekend a little bit. Actually, I had, I had a bit of a head cold, probably just because I had my flu shot, Mm -hmm. you know? My uh my 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 free healthcare government paid. Flu yeah, shot. I still need to get uh, my flu I'll shot. Add. Fuck. Um, and it gave me a bit of a, a of a reaction. And it's funny because I had a, I had like a different medical <laughs> thing taken care of yesterday, a procedure that was planned. Right, time. right. And uh, because the flu shot gave me like a head cold symptoms, I had to report when they when they called me to like schedule the the final mm-hmm. time. Uh, whether or not you know I had some kind of symptom, and I said, "Yeah, I have like nasal congestion," and so they were like, "Uh oh, that's a you know hey, like that's a... a rare symptom of yeah. COVID." So I had to take a COVID test on top of all this other crap I was doing, and so s- Saturday morning I went in because they gave me like the form to do that on Friday <laughs> night, and I went to the the COVID testing place, and they were like, "Um, it takes like three days, and your <laughs> surgery is in two days." So I don't know what they were thinking, giving this to you uh, at that time, 
but uh, it did end up going through in time, and I was able to oh, get gosh. my result negative. Of course, I'm all. I, I'm all I love good, the the a... the picture of the tweet, or the the tweet, the text that you uh, you sent us, where it was, you know, oh yeah, your results are in. Please respond if you'd like to see them. Like f- fucking a, I want to see them. Like yes, all caps. Yeah. And 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 what they make me send them is in all caps. Uh-huh. Show. <laughs> so it's like I have to yell at them to give it to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my, my whole weekend basically was dealing with that and then having, having this surgery yesterday. Hey, you know, what's interesting, um, anesthesia, first time I've ever had it, uh, they knocked me out cold. How fun. And that was an interesting, uh, thing to go through because, you know, they take me into the surgery room and it's all tense. There's all these people in there. There's these lights and everything. And they're like, all right, well here, breathe, breathe through this This mask. mask. And they're like, okay, breathe, breathe, breathe. And then I wake up and it's an hour uh-huh. later. It's like I have no memory of falling asleep. I, I just went yeah. out cold. Yeah. Like it's, it is a, that is a weird experience. Very gentle, actually, I have to say, because I was, I was a little worried of, of the, the experience of shutting down, you know, being a bit traumatic. See, this is so interesting but, to me because I, I'll definitely say I'm somebody who, uh, for better or for worse, loves experimenting with the chemistry of the human mind. <laughs> so, okay. so, like, I totally know what you're talking about, and I'm, like, excited to hear your perspective on it, because you've never been under like that before. I've had, um, I've had pretty heavy sedation when I had, uh, wisdom teeth removed, but it was they not didn't, uh, out They cold. didn't knock you out for your wisdom teeth? Wow. Oh, no, I, I remember it. I remember the feeling. Dang, wow, of, no, uh, I, I was them, just out cold for and that shredding. one. But okay. But yeah, into that yeah. gentle. You, you you can see how easy it would be, right? Just get have your, your oh, yeah, but also, consciousness wrenched away from you. But but also, it's so funny how like they they know exactly the right amount to mm-hmm. use because I was supposed to be done at four, and I woke up at like three ten, and it was like oh this was, you know, you, you knew exactly how much to put into me. Hey, the, uh, there's a the, whole school uh, for it. Yeah, you can make a lot of money being a, a anesthesiologist. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of money in that. Because if, hey, if they, um, if they get that dosage wrong, you, you don't wake up in, at at three ten. <laughs> oh no, you wake up uh, never. Wake perhaps. up well, maybe maybe never. That was the only thing I was worried. about. The surgery itself was not a big deal. It's not it wasn't like life threatening or anything. But uh, the my only concern was like, what if I'm like allergic mm-hmm. to anesthesia and I don't know. Because that does happen. Like people do have weird reactions to that if they've never had it before. Yeah. But uh, I know. I think that's a, that's a, a natural fear. I mean, like it, it's the fear that anything could go wrong, right? Like even if it's a routine procedure, you know, it's still something. And I have uh, really intense, um, like allergic reactions. Well, not to medication. I do have I do have food allergies, but um, I, I'm kind of like a hypochondriac when it comes to um, just like normal body functions. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like hearing my heart beat or heart rate is like the most alarming thing in the world to me. To the point that I have these weird like ticks to avoid having to hear it. So if I'm like laying in bed, mm-hmm. I will like wiggle my feet erratically in like a non-pattern way to avoid feeling that's my so heartbeat. interesting 
Yeah, because I've I've totally yeah. been there. I, you know, you're awake, you know, staring at the 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 ceiling of your dark room, and you're just hearing your heartbeat. I've totally been there. Yeah, and it 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 freaks me out. I actually have like really bad tension in the left side of my body because I think I'm just like always tense about it. Hmm. Um, and being hooked up to stuff, I was always told that like, oh no, in movies they don't do the the or in it's just in movies that they do the the beep beep heart monitor yeah oh no oh no they do that in real life as well <laughs> that that's a real and and it kind of like it kind of goes up in in sound if it starts to raise then it kind of like it, it almost has like a dilation effect if it starts mm-hmm. to lower so the the beeping like changes pitch yeah very, uh, i remember that the, the thing that really like freaked me out when i w- went last in for a, a big procedure was i was super nervous about i had never had a, a, an iv before Oh. And in the movies, you know, it's always, it always just looks like it's a needle head that's just sticking out of your arm the whole time. Right. And of course, I had no idea that if you, modern IVs don't use just like a steel, you know, needle head. It's like a plastic flexible, it can bend, you know, it's it's right. it's like, once it's in there, it's a flexible tube that, yeah. that isn't uh, uh, so rigid. But I was convinced, I was like, oh, I'm just going to have a needle sticking in me for like four hours or however long. I think mine actually was a per- like an old fashioned like permanent needle. Like I don't Oof. think they ever they ever replaced it with the because they usually would. Yeah, I've had the ones where they stick it in and then they pull the needle out and there's like a, a tube staying there. Yeah, in its place. I've had that before, but this time no. It was like it was also in my hand, which was weird. I feel like it's usually in your wrist or like yeah. your elbow or something. Mine was in my uh, in my hand. I think mine was in my wrist when they did it. But... Yeah, Gosh, who can say. Well, that is exciting. I'm glad that the, the that all the medical stuff went well. I mean, you know, I'm glad. Hey, some some country has to have it to put together. Yeah, and you know, it, it was it was it was more or less an elective surgery. It was something I I was kind of bothering me for years, and I was like, it's finally time to deal with this thing. And it, hey, you know, if it's if it's free, might as well. If it's so. free, you know, why not? Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's the extent of, of my adventures this week. You said you had a couple of stories though. I had a couple of stories. You might've heard me mention this one in the, in the thread last night. We have a little, uh, high school chat thread, but, uh, I got to deal with my first, uh, anti-masker, uh, yesterday, just last night. Oh, nice. It was so fun. Uh, yeah, I was working at my store, uh, at the, the, the game shop with, uh, my boyfriend was on the shift with me and, uh, he noticed this woman in a, a motorized scooter was coming up to the door, so he went and opened the door for her and said, hey, do you need any help entering the store? And she says, no, but I'm not wearing a mask. And he says, okay. And he says, okay, well, you don't have to wear a mask out here, but to enter our store, unfortunately, we do require you to wear a mask. And she says, she gets very upset and starts like citing the law. You know, oh no! I've read the law, and it says you don't have to wear a mask if you're if you have asthma or whatever, which is probably true. I'm not about to deny that, but our store is private property, and we we do have a policy of hey, you gotta wear a mask if you're gonna come into the store. Right. Uh, I've been saying this to everybody, and I'm gonna feel bad when when I know my boyfriend listens to our podcast, but I think unfortunately he chose a, a poor choice of words. And so he, uh, when, when she started citing the law, he said, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. We have the right to, you know, re- refuse service to anybody. And she really sunk into that those words, that's incorrect. How dare you say I'm incorrect? I'm not incorrect. Fuck you. She starts swearing at him. And I'll remind you, 
he's holding the door open for her this entire time. Oh, no. So he's just standing there holding the door open for this woman while she's berating and yelling at him. And I just, I, I run up to the door and said, Gwen, here, let me handle this. Ma'am, I'm really sorry. We have the right to refuse service to anyone. You are anyone, and you're being refused service. And I closed the door on her. And she, uh, uh, you know, hovered outside the, the, the door for maybe a good 20 minutes, taking pictures of the of the signs that we have and nice, prob- nice. probably taking pictures of the store. And she took a video of us working because we just started working on stuff while she was leering outside. I'm sure cool. she posted it to Facebook or something. Yeah. Um, but it was really funny to hear her shout through the glass, you know, I'm going to call corporate. I swear I'll call corporate on you. We're a mom and pop shop. We don't have corporate, but nope. you have fun. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, some yeah. people just love to be in that position, I think. It, it was just so interesting to me. I, I, I felt, first of all, I was really you know proud of myself for how I handled it because I just felt like you never know. You always have a, a, a an idea of like, oh, I'll do this if this happens, or that or this happens. But when you're actually in the thick of it, like you know, you're you're thinking on your toes. And I'm just really proud of how I shut down the the argument of right. no, this you know what does nothing to do with the masks. We just have the right to review service to anyone. We just don't like you. Go away. Right. <laughs> you know, doesn't doesn't even have to do with the masks. Uh, so you can stop citing whatever document you're holding. Because, um, gosh, I just know that, that a lot of people, uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know, would, would-be would centrists, and I think people on on the right or, or people who are very uh, assertive about their beliefs are, are very into debating and being technically correct, and th- just shutting it down felt so good of just, oh, you know okay. what, yeah. it, I don't care what you're saying. It's I have a right, and I'm exercising it. <laughs> um, yeah, but of course, you know, still, still service industry. So you know, have to be polite. You don't want to. You don't get to swear at the customer. But right, of course. It was. It no, was I a know, really uh... Uh, interesting balance. <laughs> it, it does feel like it's a. It's a good like opportunity to grow. Like I definitely feel like, oh yeah, like you know, three years probably I could not have handled this situation, but I, I feel mm-hmm. like. You definitely learn how to deal with people working in retail. But oh, sure. Yeah, it was just so interesting to me how, I mean, gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to put this woman on the on the spot or whatever, but like, she's the at risk group. Like, she's the yeah, person absolutely. this is all for, and she was so angry and hateful that she couldn't enter the game store, and like, it's funny because you know immediately. Uh, my boyfriend started uh, messaging the manager, just saying like, "Hey, here's what happened. If you hear anything, or if you, you know, if you see anything on Facebook, this is what just happened." And the manager, of course, was just like, "Wow, what a terrible person!" Like, "No, you handled that perfectly." And and you know, she, if she wants to shop at our store, we have an online option. If she doesn't want to wear a mask, right? <laughs> um, so it's, it's it's good to have the the manager's support because I, I know a lot of people working retail don't always have that, but I was just so kind of dumbfounded through the whole thing of just like oh my gosh you know this is the person who who is most at risk and this is kind of who this is all for and she just right, got yeah. she she went from victim to to angry hateful person so quickly in my eyes. Well, it's funny because I think if you if you look at the data as far as 
who's kind of willing to take those things seriously and then who's not. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems to me like a lot of the uh, the people who are the most opposed to making life changes to accommodate this kind of thing are like elderly people. It's people who probably are set in ways that have mm-hmm. not really been challenged in a long time. And I can imagine like if you're the kind of person who is used to um, things kind of being like organized around your ability to participate. If you're, if you're a disabled person in a wheelchair, you're used to businesses having to accommodate you. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the idea of like having to do something to accommodate someone else is like a weird switch on that, on that kind of like mindset, you know? Yeah. Cause she was definitely um, saying that it was because of her asthma that she wasn't going to wear the mask, but right. And, and I'm not going to say like, Oh, people with disabilities are really like, no, and I, I arrogant I, I, or whatever. I, like that's not the point. I just mean like I think that that you're used to things being done in a certain way, and then it's like suddenly not, and it it totally. Yeah. And and I'll I'll definitely say you know I'll I'll be the bad guy and say I was the person saying you know a week or so ago that like hey you know the masks are designed to be easy to wear and easy to breathe on, so I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll amend that. Hey, sometimes people do have to have, have trouble breathing, and they really don't have to, uh, can't wear a mask or something but again it's it's where the two rights are kind of bumping up against each other of yeah you're right you don't have to wear a mask you, you know you you are at an you are of a, a a certain condition that maybe it's not healthy for you or it's not safe or or something like that but we are also in that position but the on the other foot of hey right we all need to wear masks. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. if you can't wear a mask, then you can't participate in this store right now. Yeah. And goodness gracious, we're, we're a board game store. We are not an essential business. So like, it, yeah, it's not, when... it's not our human right to be allowed access. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. You do see a lot of, uh, uh, videos of, of, you know, because 2020 has just been the year of these people, uh, uh complaining and being videotaped. You do see a lot of people, misrepresenting their rights as, you know, I have a right to shop or I have a right to get my food. I have a right to service. It's like, no, you don't. What are you talking about? But yeah, there, I, there's a, a very strange, I mean, I think part of the, uh, uh, an outcome of things in the U S being very privatized generally is that people sort of have a, um, a misunderstanding of like where their rights begin and end because mm-hmm. usually things being spelled out as like your rights tend to be in public spaces as opposed to private spaces. Um, and I, he- I feel that, that a lot in terms of like social media spaces or the news, like the news in the U S besides PBS is, is all privatized. Mm-hmm. So like if they want to be partisan and biased, they have every right to be right. Because totally. it's, they can do whatever they want. And if you like, you can complain in the same vein that you can complain about any business being in a way that you don't want, but there's not really like an argument to be made that it's, it's an infringement on your rights. Mm-hmm. If like Twitter decides to, I don't know, like put blocking labels over misinformation. I mean, it's like, they are not public. Uh, that, that is not a public space in the traditional sense of where like you have public rights versus private. It, it's just, I, I get this sense a lot, especially when, when I hear words like censorship, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if a comp- if like say a publisher of something decides to change something for a market, you can maybe complain that things aren't being treated equally among markets, but it's not a case of censorship because for it to be censorship, it have to be the government stepping in and, and making yeah. that decision. 
so like I, I just I, I feel like I hear that a lot in the US of like these these those lines being blurred where people are are placing those labels on things where they don't belong. Oh yeah. Uh, even if there there is an argument maybe that like again, I'm not suggesting that people are wrong to complain about one thing or another. It's just that like that that line of defense doesn't work in that sense. Uh, or, or, or line of attack. Y- you know, you're you're reminding me. I think of a the the most uh, I think obvious uh, example of that blurred line was when uh, I think Twitter established uh, determined legally uh, that Donald Trump, because he was the president, uh, was not allowed to block people on Twitter, mm-hmm. and the reason for that was because hey, you're the president of the United States, you're a public figure, and your Twitter feed, your your t- like. Twitter communications are considered a a public uh, forum, right? And as like like it, it was determined that even though this is a, a you're totally right, uh, uh, you know, Twitter is a private company. They have every right to censor and I mean not censor but take down and remove stuff that they don't think is appropriate or goes against their terms of service because they get to make the terms of service. But when a public figure is using their platform suddenly it does become a, a public space and but oh, i think absolutely. you're in, in the same sense that like a, <clears throat> like a presidential decree being put out on paper that paper mm-hmm. was probably made by a private company mm-hmm. but the decree itself is coming from a public figure so yeah it, it, it applies to everybody I, I remember there being an argument too i don't know if there was ever a conclusion to this but i remember early on in his presidency there was a a question in the air over whether or not he was allowed to delete tweets mm-hmm. because there's technically uh, laws against presidents like delete or, or erasing erasing statements. the record or something. Yeah, and and I don't know what ended up uh, happening to that. I don't know if he he does delete tweets. I don't really pay attention. I, I to think that, he but. still does. So I don't know, but it, it definitely it's a blurry light, blurry area. But you're totally right. In the United States, I think people would be very surprised to, if they actually looked at what is constituted uh, what, what constitutes a public area versus a private space i think mm. they'd be very surprised to see how much is private yeah absolutely like most absolutely. businesses are private privately owned yeah and, and it's funny because here there's probably more that encroaches into like rights disputes in public spaces that don't mm. really get a lot of noise uh, because people are just kind of used to it. Like a good example of that uh, here is that in BC, if you decide you don't want to give your kids vaccines, that is your right. You're allowed to do that, but then they will not be allowed into public schools. Right. I've heard about that. Which to me is very funny that that's even possible because uh, in the US that would be like a major rallying cry of, of you know, people's rights being trampled on by yeah. public uh, decrees and, and the and public laws. has I, no right to check your medical records and it's unconstitutional and it's an invasion of your privacy. And whereas here, what. nobody seems to really bat an eye about that. In fact, <laughs> I think most people appreciate that's the thing that I've noticed being here is that there's all this stuff that people complain about in the U S about like, Oh, we don't want this. We don't want that that have already been accomplished here. And people would really desperately not want to get rid of now that they have it. You, you know what I mean? Like, Healthcare is the obvious one. I think any, yeah. anywhere in the world that has free healthcare would be desperately eager to keep it. But for some reason, the idea of like adopting healthcare in places that don't have it is like a very scary idea and people are very opposed to it. And it's uh, it's interesting because in most places, that's not even a, a partisan question. I don't think people – I don't think Tories in the UK are eager to demand that they lose NHS. Right. You know? 
Yeah, um, I don't know. It, it's it's I I really don't know enough about you know other countries' politics to speak on it, but but it's definitely interesting to me how in America there's a uh, or in the United States there's really a, a screw you I've got mine mentality. Uh, everything is about the the importance of the individual and and. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the argument of, oh, I don't want to pay for someone else's blank. I don't want to pay for someone else's education, healthcare, whatever. It's like, there are so many public things you can point to that benefit from uh, 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 having a, a public option and, and having, you know, uh, being financed by the government. But in the United States, we're still having to talk about, well... We still have to convince people by saying, "Do you, you like? Do you drive on roads? Well, then you you must be glad that the government pays for them." Like we have to have this like weird, false equivalency of of all all socially subsidized projects, and and just to try to like explain how it you're not paying for someone else's, you're using it too. Like, yeah, and even if you were paying for like a private healthcare option you already are paying for everyone else's health because that's what healthcare like that's, that's how what healthcare, private healthcare works, premiums right? are <laughs> so you you like unless you're just completely uh, cut off from the system which you know there there are people like that but very few i mean mm-hmm. there's there's a, a whole like sovereign citizen movement where they don't have driver's licenses and shit mm-hmm. um but like most people kind of like uh, engage with that very lightly and kind of have it be this sort of you know, have your cake and eat it too of like, I don't want to pay for this, but then I'm kind of also paying it in a different way. And then do, would you rather that money go towards an entity whose sole purpose in existence is to obtain profit as, as quickly and as effectively as possible versus a public option, which is really there to serve the people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that the mistrust of things that are designed to serve the, the public uh, has always sort of confused. I mean, I, I get that there's like, a culture of distrust in the U.S. in terms of of the government. Yeah, and I think that like I think people across the spectrum feel that way. I I see that manifest in different ways depending on who you're talking to, but um, I I find that odd, and I think that in most places in like the Western world or or in the the, de- the developed world, that is not how people sort of treat uh, public. Uh, options especially and 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 that doesn't mean that people don't disagree or protest or whatever i mean france is like one of the most protest heavy places on earth Mm -hmm. but they would never like argue that the that the the that the government doesn't exist to serve its people i guess and that's why the the thing is protests are seen as so effective yeah i i think right now in the united states people really I think a lot of there is a disagreement on whether the government exists to serve the people or to serve its own ends, and and or to oppress the people or or whatever. Right, and, is, and, yeah. and 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 unfortunately, that that disagreement goes all the way to the top, because I would argue that maybe some people who are currently in power clearly are are illustrating that they think that that power should be used to serve them and not the people, uh, and right. and and vice versa, but uh, I, I think that. I don't know. It's it's so. It feels really nebulous and and like <laughs> hard to to pin down, but I think it's just that in the United States we we have this yeah this distrust of the government, and and we just don't have faith that it's gonna do 
what's best for everyone. Uh, and, or, or, or at least like this idea that, that, you know, I've already taken care of myself. No one else needs to be taken care of or something like that. Uh, I think that there's a lot of people in the United States who feel like they've earned what they, they like, they've earned what they've got and they don't want the government to reach in and, and mess around with it. Whereas in other places, while we might disagree on what the government is spending money on, we do agree that it's it's doing it like you know for the ends of uh, like to the end of of helping the public. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've heard a lot of people in in twenty sixteen anyway starting to call Trump an oligarch, um, which is an, uh, I think kind of a Russian term, but you know it's a wealthy yeah. wealthy private citizen who kind of comes into power into into government. And uh, I kind of buy it. Like, I kind of think that's right. Like, like I can see why why there's so much mistrust in the United States, because our government really hasn't demonstrated to its public that, that it's for sure going to serve them. It's really demonstrated that it is a tug of war between conflicting interests. Yeah, and I think that the, the main argument I always hear from people who at least I think are trying to engage in like a good faith argument about this kind of thing, mm-hmm. the people who are, who are opposed to say healthcare generally, their argument is that they don't trust the government to effectively use their money. Right. Um, and, and there's plenty of ways that that's like demonstrated in, in things that the government already puts money into. I mean, the U S infrastructure is kind of a mess and DMV offices are terrible. And, and oftentimes you, you see examples of things being done really poorly. I mean, I think I think even liberals would agree with that. I think that there's totally. like a lot of, of emphasis right now on things not being run properly, whether it's schools or police and emergency systems and uh, and the USPS. I mean, there's all, all all these arguments about whether or not these these entities are are effectively, you know, mm-hmm. the, pursuing their goals, achieving what and, they're and, set out to do. And I think that there's some worry among people that if we add healthcare to that, then that's going to be another area where like the priorities are murky and, and things are not run properly and wait times are going to be long. And I, I don't know. I can't really argue one way or the other because it's it's not in place yet. So we have no way of knowing. I mean, the thing that, that to me is frustrating is it seems like if there's opposition to something happening, it's usually uh, within one faction of the government or the other. Mm-hmm. There's always an uh, an effort to sabotage it enough that it looks like it's a failure, right? Mm-hmm. So we see this with like ACA. There was a lot of elements of a lot of elements of it were gutted by a Republican-led Senate to prevent it from being as effective as it could have been, and and as a result, they're able to basically claim that it was a failure, right? Right. Um, and I, I think that that kind of thing goes back and forth a lot, and and uh, I, I don't know. It just seems like the the goal of of public service is not the priority. Uh, it, it seems like to me in, in most well, I also th- fa- factions of, of, of U.S. government, I don't know. For sure. But I, I also think that, it, that there's a, just a difference in like, you know, when you, you when you're just the, the example that comes to mind as you were talking right there was, yeah, the Postal Service. Uh, I remember Donald Trump, as he was being elected, was saying like, oh, the Postal Service, you know, like people take advantage of them and they're not making money and blah, blah, blah. But like. That's not the goal of the Postal Service. It's a service. Like, it's supposed to be a cheap public option for people who need to have their mail delivered. Uh, But Trump was looking at it from the perspective of, like, compared to, you know, UPS, or or, not UPS, uh, uh, 
yes, UPS. I get UPS and USPS confused. I wonder why. Uh, but like, you know, uh, compared to FedEx, compared to other private shipping services where it's done for profit. And it's like, well, of course stamps are cheap. They're supposed to be. They're supposed to be available for everyone. <laughs> um, right, yeah. And so I can, I can, I can see how it's just a disconnect of people just disagreeing what the intention or what, what, what is good for people. Uh, and, and unfortunately I just don't know how we, I don't know how we, we get to a resolution without telling one group, Hey, we just can't get along and, and, and your ends aren't, uh, the same as ours. But unfortunately that's like the negative way of that, of cutting that versus the positive way and interpret that however you like, uh, is it like, it's, it's vastly outweighed. Like you, you can't, you can't just shut somebody up and, and have that be cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I know that's how we got rid of slavery. I, I always like to point out, Hey, you know how we abolished slavery in the United States? Abraham Lincoln just said, Hey, the South doesn't get to vote because they lost the civil war. And we abolished slavery. <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes absolutely. you do have to say you don't get a vote, but I don't know how we do that in a modern context without making everyone, uh, making that silenced party just lift up their guns and revolt. Oh, it'd be a disaster. Yeah, you can't, you right? can't operate that way. Well, because yeah. the, the only um, reason it worked post-Civil War, I think, is because the revolt failed, right? You lost the Civil War. You don't have any. <laughs> there's no more revolt to have. But, right, of course. But, yeah, I, I, I just don't see... There are some enemies you can't talk to. There's, there's, there's some people you can't convince with words, and that right. sucks, and, but... And I would also caution that, like, I think a lot of um, the concern I see on the left with this whole election right now is whether or not there's going to be all these efforts in place by, by certain parties mm -hmm. to delegitimize the honesty of the election right and, and to kind of make it an unfair tipping in a direction that that would make people very unhappy and i think that like again we have to be careful of of what you're suggesting is is almost doing the same right, right? it's like it, it's it's oh to get our ends we have to push the scale in our favor and uh i just don't think that that plays because i think no. anybody would uh would would see that as uh, a breakdown of democracy essentially so mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, uh, outside of the context of a civil war concluding. Uh, it's difficult to see how that could be uh, that could be doable. Without, Absolutely, uh, and and goodness uh, yeah. me, we do not want a, a civil war on on American soil again. Like, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be possible. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. There's a lot that that can happen in the next few months that are that are scary, but also you know I think, I think it's important to have a level head about it. It's I, I think it's very easy to kind of get consumed by a narrative. Uh, I also think that people are 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 kind of always hoping for it to be the end times. You know we we saw oh, this yeah. with with uh, Y2K. We've we've seen this with 2012. We're seeing it again. I, I've seen you know uh, my brother's roommate is is kind of like preparing for armageddon like he's he, he's been you know talking he's been uh 3d printing stuff and l looking up how to 3d print weaponry uh he's been uh, looking into getting his like gun license and everything because he's like freaked out and preparing for this you know mad max world that he thinks is going to show up and it's not going to happen but 
I don't know. I, 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 maybe we'll maybe we'll look back on this this uh, recording yeah, I, and, I was, and laugh. I I was um, watching the news and they actually made a fairly good point um, where they were kind of like they were talking about how like oh there there's you know been suggestions that we should be preparing for violent mm-hmm. uprisings today and tonight and tomorrow and everyone on the ground who was like at all these polling places was like oh no everything's going fine there's there's no like no one's making any threats no one's saying anything aggressive no one's like showing up with a bunch of guns or anything to these polling places and including in places that are very high tension places like mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania they were all actually saying it was fairly quiet because most people have gotten their votes in early mm-hmm. um, and the point they were making is that like they it, it it seems like Donald Trump would really like people to think that things are going to be very violent and crazy because that would dissuade people from going out yeah so it, I think that like buying into that narrative is kind of like the what what they want in a way mm-hmm. so i i i don't know and but again i i'm speaking from a perspective of i have not lived one second in a, in trump's america so i can't <laughs> say from personal experience whether or not that's no i'm true I'm, on I'm, the ground. I'm picking up what you're putting down though there's definitely a kind of a smokescreen effect to it and i i also think uh i was talking with with one of my coworkers just the other day about this but you know i think it was yesterday or the day before uh, you know the the, the Trump people uh, were were like trying to run the the Biden bus off the road, and they were they blocked the bridge in New, in in was it wasn't New York, New it was Jersey, in New Jersey. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I I just uh, the day that the 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 bus incident happened, I passed a little on my way to work a little Trump uh, uh, parade, and it was you know people with their uh, flags up and, and they got like painting on the windows and, and I looked and saw the drivers and they were all, you know, it was, it was some college age white girls and ancient looking old white man and presumably his wife were the three cars. Um, <laughs> but it does make me think, cause I, I, I just, I guess the, the, the experience with this, this woman who, who wasn't going to wear the mask kind of has, has made me realize that, you know, true to true to storytelling the villain doesn't think that they're a villain you know the the bad guy doesn't think that they're a bad guy and uh it wouldn't surprise me to to learn that like the people who blocked traffic on the bridge yesterday thought that they were just engaging in some kind of small protest that like oh we can't get in trouble for this we're not doing anything wrong even though we didn't like tell anyone we were going to do this and we didn't actually go through the proper channels and we're blocking traffic, you know, like, well, well, Hey, I'll give you an example about nine or 10 months ago. One of the major bridges in, in Vancouver was blocked by environmental protesters. Mm-hmm. So like that kind of thing happens all the time for people who probably feel very legitimately that they're doing the right thing. Right. You know, but I, I, I think like what I'm saying is I think that like if a police officer pulled up to these people and said, Hey, you know, like you've blocked traffic, you're you're you know causing a, a disruption. You're, you're you're let's say it's reckless driving. I don't know what they would be pulled over for, but like you know you're blocking traffic on the on the highway. I think these people would just say like, oh no, we're protesting. You can't like mm, whatever. Like I know that we can do this, and I think they would be surprised if actual charges were brought up to them because they're engaging in this like playful style of protesting where like they don't fully think that they're doing something egregious because they're the ones doing it does that make any sense 
No, definitely. I think that from their their perspective, it's it's harmless. I'm I'm, I'm making a straw man here, but that's what I mean. Is like yeah, I think from their perspective, it's harmless. Uh, I think and I think the guys who who chased after the bus probably think like, oh no, yeah, we were just driving. No, maybe I, that one's a little bit more. Uh feels a little bit more of a uh, an attack i think it's but, uh, it, it's and, i think it's it's that that one's a little easier to frame as an attack but i i'm willing to bet that the people who drove the cars outside of the guy who actually rammed would probably just say oh no we were just you know showing our support even though they were yeah. all active participants in it right yeah i don't, I don't know. know i don't know um It'll be yeah. interesting to see what happens, but it's going to be a long, long day, long night, probably a long week. Probably but, a long you know, week. I, I, do you have any expectations on? I, I think it's going to take a week for them to count this up. Well, it really depends because if so, we'll, we will know a few very important states today. We'll yeah. know Florida, and we'll know North Carolina. If both of those go to Trump, then it's going to be a long week. Mm-hmm. If one or two of those go to Biden, it's probably not going to be a long week. We'll know what's going on. Yeah. Um, I think North Carolina is more likely. I don't have any trust in Florida at all, despite what the polls say, because Florida to me seems like the culturally the most Trumpish place in America. Yeah. Just in terms of, of the groups that are there, the factions. I'm honestly surprised it's it's been considered a, a, a flipping point, even though it has traditionally been a flipping state. I just I feel like if there's any place where um, the that macho, you know, no rules attitude like plays well it's going to be florida and, mm-hmm. and, and it crosses a lot of different demographics there i think uh i think the cubans in florida which are a ton of people absolutely love him i think all the uh all the the sort of traditional southern voters in, in the panhandle mm-hmm. obviously are big are big trump voters i mean there, there are major cities and i think there's obviously uh evidence to suggest that older people are kind of like turning away so that might be a contingent that ends up being a, an important mm-hmm. uh but it's going to be close. I know that uh, based on the early voting records, I think there were more Republicans who submitted early votes in person, at least in Florida. I, I, they don't have those that information about the mail-in votes, but um, everybody who of everybody who uh, voted early in person, I think it was uh, th- there was a, a skew towards the Republicans in person. So I, I don't really I'm, I'm not if I were to make a guess on my projected map, I probably would not have florida be blue even if i might actually have georgia blue mm-hmm. and north carolina blue um so we'll see but we'll uh, see yeah i mean the, been, the big I, thing i'm a for very me... data-driven person and i've been kind of following that that uh that an- analysis over the last several weeks and that's kind of where my my head's sitting i'm, I'm sure it's really satisfying from a data like an, a data analytics perspective to see the numbers kind of trickling in but i think for me i just oh, i had a thought and i ran away and it ran away from me where did it go where did it go Oh, I hate it when this happens. Ah, oh, the silent death. My thought ran away from me. It'll come back if it's important. Great radio. Excellent. Excellent radio. Well, you said you had multiple stories, so I'm wondering if you had anything else besides the the the, the woman in the in the wheelchair. Let's see. Anything besides the woman? That was my main one that I was that I was thinking. But let's see what else. Okay. You know, this is unrelated to anything we've been talking about, but maybe it'll help my thought come back. Uh, have you seen this game being advertised? Gen- Genshin Impact, I think it's what's called. Oh yeah, that's a big uh, that's a big hit right now. It's a big hit right now. I'm a little scared of it. Oh yeah. So I picked it up. I I, I played it on my phone, and I was really impressed with it as a phone game. I was like, wow, this mm-hmm. 
This plays like a console game on my phone. Well done. But as I'm learning more and more about the development of the game, you know, it's a Chinese company, and it seems to be that they, like, created this game in, in I want to say, you know, a year and a half. And they just did it by throwing coders at it. There's just a faceless company with like thousands and thousands of coders that have been crunching and are continuing to crunch. And I'm, I'm it's, it's getting me a little weird. Well, the, the one thing I'll say is that I know Sony was involved okay. in the process of making it because it was a big headlining like PS4 game. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's where probably the majority of players have been. Uh, I think they, they made like some investments five years ago into a number of Chinese studios uh, mm-hmm. to kind of like flesh out that that side of development because they had been able to finally introduce consoles uh, to the market there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of, to me, like a sign that it's probably not as like sketchy as it sounds. Okay, uh, that, that does give me confidence. But yeah, I mean, who knows, right? It's like hard to say. Uh what the safety and I like there's obviously differences in terms of like privacy whether you're playing it on a ps4 versus your your phone Mm -hmm. you know so who knows like what data it's accessing or whatever um I hear people love it I mean it sounds like it's it's a really fun game and I hear that like it doesn't pester you too much for the gotcha mechanics like it's actually fairly generous yeah the the gotcha stuff that I've seen so far it's the character unlocks but like they seem to be pretty nice about giving you plenty of characters to choose from anyway yeah, um, so I've, I've heard positive things, yeah. uh, but I, I'd be interested to hear more. It's definitely, uh, uh, at the very least, I'll say definitely pick it up for, I mean, I, granted what you just said about data security, but uh, I think it's really impressive as a phone game. Um, I, I lately have been kind of on a kick of uh, games that I can play on my computer and on my phone, um, which I know is kind of weird. They're, they're usually pretty limited games, but... Uh, I was surprised at how big Genshin Impact is, considering it runs really well on the phone. Mm-hmm. Well, it's basically a, a Breath of the Wild direct inspiration. Correct? Yeah, that's kind of the, the vibe I've I've gotten. So. It definitely feels like that. Although yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that, that the it's like Breath of the Wild inspired, but the the characters are all kind of prefab, so you can't oh. like customize your character very much. Interesting. I might be wrong on that, but that's the impression I've gotten so far. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have any other stories. And that thought's getting still not close back. to finishing Final Fantasy VII remake. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the 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 final swan song, last game uh, for me on PS4 because the PS5 comes out next week, and. Uh, because of backwards compatibility, it's probably going to be a, it'll be a, my PS4's retirement Aww. from there. But uh, I have to say, like, I, I've gone through weird phases with this game. It's, I think I, I initially said it was a very inconsistent experience. Yes. And the more I've played, the more I feel that that is a very accurate description. <laughs> because in some ways, it's amazing and really cool. And in some way, in other ways, it's very tedious and slow and kind of like, annoying and and particularly annoying in some things that are like you they added to this on top of the the core mm-hmm. final fantasy 7 story so they added like a bunch of like western rpg side quests you know like you walk around and people have little exclamation points over yeah. their heads and you have to like 
go do a thing and almost all of those are are extremely boring and tedious i I, I heard i might be making this up but i heard that they took a page from uh final fantasy crisis core which is it's funny i haven't really played final fantasy 7 but i have played that game it was a psp exclusive about zach uh the the i guess it was a prequel um and and it way fleshes out a character who existed in final fantasy before but like didn't really have a story um but in that game basically outside of the story missions they had you grinding on these big dumb you know like hey kill 20 cactars okay and you just go into a random arena and you kill 20 cactars and you come back like there were a bunch of terrible filler quests it's really interesting because I remember when they first announced that Final Fantasy VII Remake would be cut up into different chapters. An argument I remember hearing was, why does that have to be the case? Is Final Fantasy VII really that much bigger than mm-hmm. Final Fantasy XV? Like, is it really, like, this gargantuan thing that couldn't possibly be made? It, But the, playing through it, it's making me realize that there's a lot about modern-day development that is just, like, very bloated hmm. and clearly takes a lot more resources to do small things than it used to be like you you know the fact that they have to worry on a on an even basic level they have to worry about like framing in terms of how they shoot the dialogue scenes they have to think about lip syncing they have to think about motion capture they have to think about environmental detail from different angles and it's not just a jpeg in the mm-hmm. background like there there's a lot about it that like just to get like an environment done in the modern day takes a lot more resources and so it scale wise every little quest you add that's a new npc to add that's a new room to put them in but that's also why like so many of the side quests are so tedious and boring is because it's just like go over here and get this thing Uh uh-huh and then some like huge hp sinks will be waiting for you that take 30 minutes to beat like it's just it's a lot of that of just like you you have to go over here get a thing and there's going to be some boss that takes forever to beat and uh, in some ways, I think the battle system is really good for that. I think that it's really dynamic and it forces you to be very active. It reminds me a lot of like a Tales game mm-hmm. uh, in how uh, sort of active battles work. But at the same time, it just there's been a lot of it where I've I've been feeling like it's trying to funnel me into stuff that I just I'd rather just get this story through and, and not have to worry about all these things that they keep throwing at me. Yeah. But again, like the the core part, the core Final Fantasy VII that's in there is good. It's very, very compelling. I've always found, I think I mentioned this before, that the art direction of Final Fantasy VII is super unique, mm-hmm. and I think that they really flesh that out in a really interesting way. And well, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's it's, but it's inconsistent. I feel very, I I don't feel strongly one way or the other um, about it. I think so far, uh, so. if if and when I get to Final Fantasy VII remake, that that sounds like the endorsement is play it, but maybe don't one hundred percent it. Yeah, and the thing is, like, if you wanted to get the Platinum Trophy, you have to play it twice. I love those. on, like, higher difficulty. I'm just like, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, there were parts that I really liked. There's a a lot of, uh, there's this whole midsection in, like, the Red Light District, uh, which in Final Fantasy VII, you might remember, it's Wall Market. Mm Mm-hmm. With uh, the Don Corneo stuff, that that was all like the best part of the game so far. That that whole sequence there uh, was really impressive. So I don't know. It's uh, it's fun. It, they, they threw a lot at the sink and uh, kind of some of it works, some of it doesn't. They they add a lot of these weird little like one time mini game things into it. Hmm. Like at one point when when 
if you remember the whole like cross dressing thing, yeah, in the original game, it's in like this a rhythm one, game, like, right? Yeah, there's like a dance party or like a dance show, and you participate in it. And there's like this very like they basically invented a new rhythm game just for this sequence that I like a, a rhythm type of game that I've never seen in any other game ever. Like they didn't just make it some simple thing, but it only happens yeah, you know, once. If you... If you ever, if you ever have the the patience for it, I'll say, uh, and and maybe you want to start on like a, a later entry because it, it just won't make sense anyway. But if you ever have the patience for it, Kingdom Hearts does that too. Kingdom, and, and it's the same, you know, people. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that. But I I would expect if you went back and played like Kingdom Hearts two or something, it would probably feel like a beta for this to you. I guess I, if it was just that, I wouldn't be interested. Again, it really is the the art direction, for and sure. I think that core cast and story that kind of bring me in because all of those elements in Kingdom Hearts are kind of what make me super allergic. Mishmash, just like I don't care about Disney at all, <laughs> and I don't. It doesn't like make me happy to see them show up. Like I just kind of get annoyed by it all. I don't know. There's there's, there's I gotcha. I gotcha. certain surface level differences that I think make that transition a bit hard. Totally, but, but it's um, just funny to hear the 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 similarities that I I think might exist. Oh sure, and I think that anybody who's played Kingdom Hearts, I mean, this is the Final Fantasy game that has come out after Kingdom Hearts, or the Final Fantasy VII game, the the Tetsuya Nomura Final Fantasy game that has come out after Kingdom Hearts, and I think there's probably a lot of of that DNA very visible mm-hmm. um, more so than it would have been in the original game. I mean, I, I haven't played uh, really any of, of remake, but uh, I, I definitely can tell just from the combat system. Like it looks kind of kingdom hearts three. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Hey, you know, same guy. So it doesn't surprise me. And I believe the same engine too. I think they were both done on unreal. There so. you go. Yeah, I think there's probably some major major similarities there. But interesting, I, I've heard, again, I have not gotten to the point where people are very divided about uh, the ending, so we'll see what happens there. I haven't beaten Final Fantasy VII, so I don't really know. Yeah, you might not recognize expect. what's different or not. I've beaten the part that this game is supposed to end at, uh-huh. but I haven't. If they, if they, you know, obviously change it in a way that that is pulling from later events in the original Final Fantasy VII, it might go over my head. But mm-hmm. um, we'll see. It's. Uh, it's been interesting. Um, yeah. I'm kind of excited to move on to other things, though, so hopefully it will, will, will not take too long. <laughs> so. For sure. Gosh, speaking of moving on to other things, uh, just a little project update. I, uh, just two days ago, had a big epiphany with my, uh, you know, the, the Judaism video that I put out in, in June. Um, had a big epiphany with it, and for the third, fourth time, just threw out my script and started writing a new thing. <laughs> oh, no. It's it's tough. It's it's been tough because it feels like it's a. Uh, it feels like I'm trying to be like an ambassador, or like I'm I'm trying to represent more than I actually know, and so this this latest iteration is just kind of stripping away a lot of the, uh, non personal stuff and making it way way personal again, because I think that's just where my heart is. Right. But we'll see. You know, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um. Maybe a little less about Judaism and a little more about just media literacy, but hmm. it'll be it'll be hopefully entertaining all the same. I I'm just excited it, for whatever it, that ends up being. It was just funny to me to to see myself like, nah, this is all feeling the when you're trying to tell a story that's really personal, authenticity is is like super important to me anyway, and like 
just every time I tried to write about Judaism as like a as an ambassador or as an educator, it just felt so didactic and so not authentic that I I, mm. I it did, wasn't working for me. But I see. Hopefully this will this will feel better. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Well, hopefully uh, hopefully you discover the tone you're looking for. I'm sure that can be very uh, complicated. So. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be the, worth the wait. The good thing is that a lot of the bits that I still want to put in there are still work, but uh, it's it's definitely different tonally. <laughs> Have you done much like recording for it, or is that still? So I've been uh, n- I haven't done any recording. I've been working on visuals more than anything. Mm. Um, okay. Because there, there's a lot of like cutaways and things that I want to like include that I, I liked. I thought I thought a strength of the last project was the animations that you brought to the table. Oh, thank you. Um, and so I, I liked, I, I, I want to be able to have, you know, about that length of original visuals to go with it, you know? I don't know if I, I, I mentioned to you, but I'm, I, I think I did maybe off recording, but I, I'm trying to do like kind of a Seinfeld thing for one of the Bible stories. Okay, cool. And uh, I think that'll be fun. I think it, it, yeah, won't, I it won't look nearly as nice as original animation, but uh, it'll have my, my brand of, of, style to it hopefully nice well i am nice forward to that nice tight well uh we're coming near the end of our show here but i did remember what i wanted to say oh please tell me uh more than anything you know with this big election coming up i just hope that that we all understand uh listeners out there you may disagree with this but this doesn't end when donald trump leaves office i hope i hope we we all know that like there's still other other people in the swamp that we need to drain out and and that uh i've heard a lot of people kind of praising the idea that like oh as soon as donald trump is out of office everything will be great again and i hope we treat this as the the wake up moment that it is rather than just the snooze alarm that we might treat it as yeah and 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 try not to like become a slave to hype you know, For sure. like, yeah, I, I think that there, there's sort of moments like these. We might see historic turnout. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, uh, there might be a blue wave. There might not be. Even if there is, I think we need to, like, people need to stick to their sort of ideological energy and keep yeah. it going. Because I could easily see this being one of those situations where things get pushed so hard in one direction that there's a reaction to it later. And we might not like how that looks. Absolutely. You know? And I think that... Uh, People have been that, um... people have been threatening exactly that for for this, you know that hey we push so hard right that it's going to have a big left leaning effect out for for decades to come maybe yeah. maybe but and if we do it too I far left it's... we'll go the other way again you know yeah I think it's very possible that turnout in 2022 might be very low because mm-hmm. people are kind of burned out at that point of all this hype and all this energy and we won't see the numbers that we're seeing this year. And, and, you know, I think that like, that could be really, uh, really bad for totally the goals that people have in mind for what they want the future of the country to look like. So I just, I, I, if you're feeling in like hyper involved this year and maybe that's exhausting, I don't know. I know it can be, but just remember that like voting isn't, doesn't take that much energy. Mm-hmm. And if you have made the effort to do it this year, you should continue to do it in future years. I have tried to vote in every election, since I turned 18, uh, even being away from the country, uh, there's always ways to do it. There's always a reason to do it. And uh, I think that that's, that's important. Although, again, this, this podcast may or may not get up in time for that to matter this time. But just I, I think people should keep that in mind as like being involved is not bad. I don't think like 
I think there's an argument around sitting out like willfully that that you, you have the right to you have there might be an argument for it. But at the same time, I think the worst thing you can be is disengaged. Yeah. Uh, in terms of how things are uh, are going. I, I think that like believing that the system doesn't work doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Uh, I, I think and, that's and I, really well said that 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 there probably, you know, if you if you're not going to vote, I'm sure there's an argument to be made for why not voting makes sense. But I, I think you're totally right that, that the worst thing you can be is disengaged. And I do feel like a lot of what's happening right now in the United States is people being disengaged coming home to roost. It's, it's you know, years and years of disengagement being upended. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you yeah. know, um, like, our, like, I, like our Twitter overlords say, breathe. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, we had an election here in BC a few weeks ago and it turned out pretty good. You know, we, we got a, we got a big orange wave, which in, in BC uh, context uh, is a, is a very far left surge uh, in power and it can happen here. It can happen there, you know, there, there, and, and things will, will alternate back and forth, but things will move forward over time, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, if things go good or if things go bad, you know, everything's going to be all right. We're all going to survive uh, and uh, it's going to be OK. I just agree. We're all going to die. Goodbye. Hey, everybody. It's me. It's Travis. I am. I've had a whole bottle of La Fine du Monde. I'm a little out of it. But I'm going to try to do our, our ending anyway. Uh, special thanks go to Aesthetics Please. Aestheticsplease.bandcamp.com is where you're going to find his uh, sweet tunes. Uh, not to mention uh, music.businesscasual.biz. Find some other, other good business casual stuff there. Our music is uh, provided generously with his permission he's our favorite our favorite musician of all time better than the beatles so uh you should definitely check him out and yeah i hope uh we we don't have any um any social media or uh, email address or anything so you uh, there's no way to contact us so uh if you want to ask us a question uh, i'm sorry you, you just you just can't so that's uh that's it Hope to see you next week. Stay classy, fuckers. Goodbye.